I love this church. I love all of you. And um, it's been a, a great year. Been here a year and a half, and it has flown. It really has. I guess, I, like Pastor Bill says, the older you get, the faster it goes. So I guess I'm getting old. But uh, that's, that's always better than the other option, right? But um, it's a blessing. It's a blessing to be a part of this church. And um, I honor Pastor Bill and Elizabeth, wonderful, wonderful people. And uh, it made the transitioning into this just seamless. And you know, it's, it's a very uncommon thing for this to work where there's a new pastor and the preceding pastor stays. A lot of times there's conflicts and difficulties that come out of that in a lot of church cultures. But that hasn't happened once, not once, in one year. And um, that speaks a lot about Pastor Bill and Elizabeth. They are wonderful, wonderful people, and I just honor them. So, praise God. Amen. Praise God. We're going to get into the Word of God. You know, I was, uh, dur- during worship, uh, we were singing that song, Our God is an Awesome God, and I just, just began to reflect on exactly, at least, you know, in my, in my little pea brain perceptive about the awesomeness of God. You know, I, I really can't even grasp, none of us can, how awesome God is. But, you know, we, we talk a lot about athletes, movie stars, et cetera, et cetera, being awesome. We, we attribute awesomeness to a lot of things. That's an awesome soda. I mean, really trivial things, and we call it awesome. We've kind of minimized the significance of that word awesome. But I just begin to reflect on the awesomeness of God, you know. We, we, we kind of tend to get enamored with people. We, we actually end up worshiping people. We, our culture worships movie stars, athletes, you know. You take, you, you take any athlete and you play their, their, their highlight reel. It doesn't even begin to compare to God's highlight reel. You think about it. We call athletes, like they're calling this, this LeBron James, they call him King James. He's no king. It's really not. And there's no highlight that, that man or you, Steph Curry, you take the greatest of the greats, Michael Jordan, you take the greatest highlights. You can't even begin to compare. It's, it's, a, it's a bag with air in it, and they're throwing it, throwing it into a hoop. LeBron James has never walked on water. He's never healed anyone. He's never turned water to wine. You think about it. And we, we're, worship, we're giving accolades to these men. And it, I don't diminish their hard work, or their efforts, and their athleticism, and what they are able to accomplish. I'm not, I'm not knocking them at all. But a lot of times we just lose perspective of what's really amazing. We, we lose the awe of who God is. God spoke the world into existence. Jesus rose from the dead. Think about this. It's the awesomeness of God. Amen? Amen. Praise God. So let, let's, let's, let's get into the word on that. And uh, I do, it, it was not in the announcements. We kind of left it out on purpose because I wanted to talk about it. But this Wednesday, you know, we've been meeting for the last three weeks. We've been, we've been meeting down in the fellowship hall. We've had a wonderful time. We had a tremendous turnout this last week. And uh, just a great time. And we've been talking about relationships. 
We talked the first week about uh, working for unity. We talked last week about uh, how we deal with conflict. And so I want to encourage all of you to come out this this Wednesday night. I know it's a holiday week. I know you probably have plans with your family, but if you are free, we invite you to come out. We're going to have, and I want to invite everybody, bring, bring some food. Bring some refreshments, bring your board games. Uh, we are going to have a little Bible study, but we're going to have an opportunity just to hang out in fellowship at the end of this. And so invite all of you that are able to, to, to come and to join us. I'm looking forward to that. So we've been in this series, Thy Word, talking about the importance of Scripture, talking about uh, loving God's Word, reading God's Word, studying God's Word, etc., etc. And so I, I want to talk to you today about the implanted Word of God. Before I really even get into the message, I want to read a scripture to you. This is 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13 in the New Living Translation. It says, until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church. Let me read that again. Focus on reading the scriptures to the church. Encourage the believers and teaching them. Encouraging the believers and teaching them. You think about that. We, we, we in, in our culture today, we don't spend a lot of time reading scriptures in the church service. And there's instruction to do so. Read the scriptures in church, to the church. Specific instructions. A lot of times these days, preachers just read one verse and then they jump off into whatever they're talking about. But I think our preaching, Paul, Paul charges to me, he says, preach the word of God. You know, it, it, it's, it, it, the, the scripture is not a jumping off point. Yeah, it, it, I was thinking about this, there, there's a, there was a home builder down in San Antonio, Texas. I worked in, in the trades for a long, long time down there, and there was this home builder that got caught, they were, uh, what they would do is they would, frame up the foundation, they would put all of the metalwork into that, there's, you know, there's rebar and these, these ties that hold, sometimes it's cable, uh, that, that hold these concrete foundations together. And there, there's major problems in Texas because of the uh, lack of rain oftentimes. You can go for months without rain, so the, the, the expansion and contraction of the soil and all this type of stuff, it causes lots of problems with foundations. So getting the foundation is extremely important as it is anywhere, but especially there with those conditions. And there was a company that was, they, they would frame up the foundations, they would put in the metalwork, the, the rebar, and that, that system that was supposed to hold that foundation together. The inspector would come and look at that, inspect it, because those, those foundations are inspected before they're poured. So they would, the inspector would show up, check out to make sure everything was done properly, and when the inspectors would leave, they would pull all the metal out and move it to the next job site and they would, pour the, they would pour the concrete without any metal in it. In this neighborhood, they, had, they actually had to go and, and condemn an entire neighborhood because of the devastation of settling in those homes. But I was thinking about this, it's kind of a picture of preaching without the scripture. At its fiber, at, it, at, at every point of declaring and proclaiming this message that we preach. Our preaching has to be rooted in the scriptures. We're gonna read quite a bit of scripture today, and I think that's a good thing. So let's begin, let's read in Psalm 119, and we're gonna talk about the implanted word of God today. Psalm 119, blessed are the undefiled in the way 
who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. They also do, iniquity, do, do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. You have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Then I would not be ashamed. When I look into your commandments, I will praise you with uprightness of heart. When I learn your righteous judgments, I will keep your statutes. Oh, do not forsake me utterly. How can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to your word? I, I think that's really important there. How can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to your word? I want to continue to read this passage, but I, I want to pause there. You think about young men growing up in this culture today. Think about the pollution, the corruption that they are exposed to every single day. Social media, television, culture, school, the neighborhood kids, a long list of things that is Sullying, dirtying them, corrupting them. Think about that. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. Our children need the word of God. Our children need the word of God. And we as a church are going to do everything that we can to get the word of God to our children. But let me, let me tell you something about my attitude as a parent. The responsibility, this is, this is the attitude that we take in our home. The responsibility for my children's spiritual growth is not on this church. I'm thankful that I can bring my kids to a church where they're gonna hear the word of God preached, where they're gonna be in classes where the word of God is taught, but the onus is not on this church. On judgment day, I won't be able to stand before Jesus and say, Lord, my kids would have served you if they had done better in Sunday school class. Now, the responsibility is right here. It's my responsibility to make sure that my kids hear the word of God, grow in the word of God, that it is the foundation of their life you go back and look at the Hebrew culture and the way that they raised their children in the Word. Children memorized the Torah, right? And you know what? My kids may not be genius. We're homeschooling our kids. They, they may never go on to be doctors or lawyers. They may never get into MIT or Harvard or some Ivy League school. But they will have the foundation of the Word of God laid in their life. We start our day. We've, we, we've disciplined ourselves to this. Starting our day every morning, reading the scriptures together. The responsibility is right here. Schools have banned the word of God. And so we have chosen to ed educate our kids because the most important thing is not that they understand science or math or history or philosophy or any of these things, but that the word of God is planted in their hearts. If they don't have scripture, they don't have anything. 
So what if they go and they're successful and they make tons of money? So what if they build careers and climb ladders and success in the world's eyes? If they don't have that foundation, if we don't give our kids the word, how can they be cleansed from the stains of this world? It's gotta take the word of God. That just stuck out to me this morning as I was reading through this passage of scripture. He says in verse 10, with my whole heart, I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in your way, in the way of your testimonies, as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes, and I will not forget your word. So I want to talk to you about the implanted word of God. Let's look again. I want to look back at the 11th verse. It says, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've kind of given my paraphrase here in the last couple weeks of the message translation of this. I want to actually go and read what the message says there. It says, I bank your promises in the vault of my heart so I won't send myself bankrupt. Isn't that good? I banked your promises in the vault of my heart so that I won't send myself bankrupt. Amen? How many of you have the word of God in your heart? How many of you have been born again? If you've been born again, the word of God is in your heart. Do you know that? The incorruptible seed of God's word is in your heart. That's the reality. The word of God's in your heart. I'm gonna show you this. I'm gonna show you a lot of scripture where we can, we can actually see this. Let's look at James chapter one. We read a portion of this previously, I think last week. But I, I wanna kind of expand the context and, and, and read this passage. James chapter one, verse 17 says, every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. This is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. If you, if you told me that I could only have one scripture to preach for the rest of my life, this would be the one. I love this, this verse, verse 17. Every good and every perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights with whom is no variation or shadow of turning. He's the father of lights. And you know what, he doesn't change. There's no variation with God. There's no shadow of turning of God. He is the same. Amen, that's why he calls him Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? He doesn't change. He's good. He's the father of lights, and he doesn't change. He doesn't have split personalities. He's not a fire-breathing, wrath-vengeanceful God one day and a nice, gentle, kind God the next. He's the same all the time. Amen? New Testament Christians tend to think that the wrath of God just like disappeared or something. It hasn't. 
He's still the God of wrath. That's the reality, and his wrath comes out of his love. It does. Like, I love my wife, and if you harmed her, my love would provoke a wrath out of me. Right? See, sin provokes the wrath of God. And he hasn't changed. What's changed is the blood of the Lamb's been offered. Amen? What's changed is I've been born again. What's changed is I will never experience the wrath of God because of the goodness of Jesus and what he has done for me. That's what's changed. But God's constant. He's the same. Amen? He doesn't change. Verse 18, it says, Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. God brought you forth, if you were born again, God brought you forth by his word. You were saved by the word of God. The word of God was declared, right? How shall they, how shall they hear it without a preacher, right? How shall they be saved without the word? That's what Romans is teaching, teaches us there, right? It's the preaching of God's word that saves men's souls. The word of God's declared, it's the word that reveals Jesus, Faith arises in us, and we are begotten of the word. We are born again, right? This is how it works. Verse 19, it says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, verse 21 says, Lay aside all filthiness, because you've been born again. Here's our response. Lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word of God, which is able to save your souls. I want want to just highlight that. You can maybe underline it or highlight it in your Bible. Receive with meekness the implanted word. We have to receive it with meekness. You know why we reject the word of God? It's because of our pride. If we'll receive the word of God, it takes humility. It takes us lowering ourselves, humbling ourselves, surrendering our opinion, and accepting the word of God. Laying our will aside and taking up God's. We have to receive with meekness the implanted word of God. You are born again, right? And, and the way that works is he has brought you forth by his word. See, it, it, it is the inception of this thing starts with the word of God being planted, the seed of the incorruptible, the incorruptible seed of God's word being planted by the preaching of the gospel into your heart. That's the way this thing works. And then he says you have to receive the implanted word of God with humility. We're going somewhere. I'm I'm building foundation here. We're going somewhere with this. And he goes on, verse 22, it says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself and goes away, and immediately 
he forgets what kind of man that he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Every time I read this, I think, you know, religion gets a bad rap. I hate religion when we're talking about the religion of man. That's a, that's a, so this is talking about a pure and undefiled religion. The religion of man is defiled and impure. But the religion of man, and this, this word here is actually treskia, and it is a ceremonial observation, a religious ceremony or a religious discipline. The religion of God is pure, right? It's acceptable. It's undefiled, the religion of God. What, what's the difference between the two? This is all in the context of what? The word of God. Religion that comes out of this book that's rooted in the word of God is pure and undefiled. When it finds its origin in the heart of man, that's when it gets corrupted, right? It's just some religious experience. You have to do it this way because uh, Bishop Joe said so. But it has nothing to do with the life-giving word of God, right? That, that's where, where the difference is. But I, I wanna kinda un unpack this passage, verse 22 and 23, verse 24, verse 25 especially. It says, when we are hearers of the word only and not doers, we're like a man who looks into a mirror and forgets his natural face. He forgets what manner of man that he is. What's the mirror? It's the word of God, right? Now, if you were to look into the mirror and see my reflection, it would scare you to death, wouldn't it? surprise you because when you look in the mirror you're used to seeing your own reflection right but how many of you know that when we look into the, the the word of God when I look into this I don't see Chad Hayes I don't see my nature but you know what I do see the nature of Jesus Christ how many of you know that this book is the revelation of Jesus Christ it is a revealing of Jesus it's a revealing of who our God is right Jesus said in, in John chapter 5 he said search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life but they testify of me, they speak of me. All scripture speaks of Jesus. And yet you won't come to me that you might have eternal life, right? You, you remember uh, the, uh, the Ethiopian riding in his chariot and, and uh, he, he's reading in the book of I Isaiah and Philip runs alongside his chariot and he says, what are you reading? And he says, well, I don't really understand it. How can I understand it except some man explains it to me? And the Bible says right there he started to preach Jesus, right? See, Isaiah is declaring to us Jesus. Every book of this Bible is revealing to us Jesus. And so we look into this, you know what we're seeing? We're looking into a mirror, it's reflecting of who we are in Christ Jesus. It's revealing to us the new nature that God has given us. When we see something about Jesus, it's a revelation of who we are. 
because we have a position in Christ. And so when we read this and it's talking about our Christian conduct, the way that we live our lives, the way that we witness, our, our, our manner of conduct in this world, and then we don't act accordingly, what we're doing is we are forgetting who we are in Christ Jesus. See, this reveals to us, when we see Jesus, we're, we're seeing our new nature, who God intended for us to be. This is where I do believe in predestination. The Bible says that God has predestined that we be conformed to the likeness of his son, Jesus Christ. That's God's plan, that we would look like Jesus, right? Second Corinthians chapter three, verse 18, it says that, that when we look into the mirror, again, the mirror, we're changed into the likeness of Jesus day by day by the power of the Spirit of God. We're changed to be like Jesus. See, that's God's intent. That's what God wants to do. And so he puts his word in us. And his desire is that word will take root. He's planted it there. His desire is that it would take root, that it would grow, that it would bloom, that it would spring forth, and that it would bear fruit. That's God's intent. See, Peter, Peter talks about this as well, the fact that we were born of the, of, of the word of God. Verse Peter chapter 1, verse 22. He says this, he says, since you were purified, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. See, when we are born again, we are born of an incorruptible seed. Not a perishable seed, not, you know, this is not a carnal seed. This is the spiritual seed, the incorruptible seed of the word of God planted into our hearts. We are begotten by the word which reveals Jesus Christ. Amen? And, and God's word brings life to us right? It brings liberty to us. It brings joy to us. It brings blessing to our lives. The seed of God's word planted in our hearts. John talks about this, 1 John chapter 2, verse 24. He talks about the word of God abiding in us. He says, therefore, let that abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. If you have heard from the beginning, it abides in you you also will abide in the Father and in the Son, in the Son and in the Father. And, and I think it's interesting, the way, the way he says this, he says, let it abide in you which you heard from the beginning. Again, the moment you were born, how, how did that happen? You heard the word about Jesus, right? You heard the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and faith was sparked on the inside of you. The seed of God's word was planted in your heart, and in some miraculous way, you became alive to God. This is the new birth experience. You're born from the beginning by the word of God. And then he, tell, he, he tells us here that, that you need to also continue in this, right? You need to abide in it. Let it abide in you. 
And if this word abides in you, you will abide, you will abide in the Son and, and in the Father. This is what it, it tells us. Going, going up a, a, few, a few verses to verse 14, same chapter, 1 John chapter 2, verse 14. He says, I've written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. And you also will abide in the Father. I, I'm sorry. Because the, the, the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. So again, he's saying to them, the word of God abides in you, right? So here, here's what it is. It's the incorruptible seed of the word of God that is planted in us. But I want to go back to what James said in James chapter 1. In verse 21, he says that, that we should re- receive with meekness the implanted word. See, when you're born again, the word of God is planted in your heart. It's in your spirit. You're born of the incorruptible seed of the word of God. We have to receive that with meekness. There is a responsibility on us to receive the word of God into our lives. We have to nurture that seed. We have to allow that seed to go down. And I'm gonna gonna talk next week. I wanna preach out of the the, uh, parable of the sower next week. And I wanna show you a lot of the things that we do to hinder the seed of, of, of God's word from really taking root in our heart. We're gonna look at this and unpack this. Uh, really, I think it'll be really clear and helpful to you next week about things that we do to hinder God's word from really taking root in our heart. We have to allow God's seed, the seed of God's word, to take root, for that root to go deep into the soil of our lives. We have to water that. We have to nurture that. Right? Like, like a plant. We, we got a plant. I can't remember what that was for, but the church gave us a plant. It was beautiful. It had, I think, two different types of plants. One was a, like a flower, and the other was like a vine, and the flowers were pink, and the vine had little pink flowers on it as well. And we're not really, the Hayes household, just so you know, we're not really flower people. Like, we have, if, we, if, if the flowers do well in our, our, our house, they're the artificial ones. Right? <laughs> This plant was beautiful. We put it out by the front door. I watered it a couple times. And summer come, came and I forgot to water it. And I noticed that thing does not look healthy. I better go get some water. And fortunately, the, 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 the flowers survived, but the vine perished. Why? Because we didn't take care of it. We didn't nurture it. We didn't water it, right? If the word of God is really gonna take root in your heart and grow, and this is what it should look like, it should take root. It should blossom. There should be some green production that springs forth out of that. Life ought to come, because the seed of God's words in your heart It ought to sprout, and then it ought to unfold and bloom, right? And it's beautiful, it begins to manifest in beautiful ways in your life. And then fruit 
comes on the vine, of the planting of God's word in your heart. You see, I I want you to understand this. Listen, how how many of you realize your life is under an assault? How many of you realize since the day that you were born, there's been an assignment on your life from your arch enemy to destroy you and to take you out? Satan wants to come, like the birds in that analogy of the sower, he wants to come and steal the word away. His agenda is to do everything that he can do to keep that word from growing in you. He's all right if you come to church and play religious games and play patty cake, but have no walk with Jesus, no life in the word, no prayer life, no communion with God, no worship experience, no encounter with God. He's all right if you're not growing, if you stagnate, if you wither, and if you die. That's his agenda. He's after you. And you know what? He's not after you over something that you don't have. You know what he's after you for? He's after what's already been planted in you. The incorruptible seed of the word of God that's been planted in you. He's attacking you over that one thing. Trying to discourage you. Trying to uproot what's been planted in your life. He's after you. Trying to discourage you. Trying to talk you out of it. Trying to get you to turn back to your old ways. He's attacking you. Because he knows that if that seed will take root and begin to grow in your life, it'll produce a fruit in your life. You know what Christian maturity is? Christian maturity is the outworking of the inward planning of God. Christian, brother and sister in Christ, you have everything that you need in Christ Jesus already residing inside of you. It's the incorruptible seed of God's word that was planted in you from the beginning. You were born of the word of God. Amen? And Satan is doing everything that he can to destroy that. We have to protect the seed of God's word. We have to make sure that the enemy doesn't come to steal it away. We have to nurture it. We have to water it. We have to pray over it. We, we have to do our diligence to make sure that this, the planting of the Lord is growing in our lives. We are responsible for this seed that God has planted in our lives. Now, I want to give you one more passage, two more passages of Scripture. And then you can go home and start thinking about your turkeys. 2 Timothy chapter 2, and I want, to, I want to read this in the Amplified Version. We know this. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But I want to read this in the Amplified because I really like how it amplifies it. He says, study and be eager and do your utmost to present yourself to God approved, tested by trial, and the word of God will be tried in your life. That's what the psalmist said. He said, the word of God is tried. You know, some Sundays after I preached a message, maybe it was on faith, and you know what happens on Sunday afternoon or Monday? My faith gets attacked. I may preach a message about being steadfast and persevering, and then that, that test comes 
You know what it is? It's God proving his word and revealing what's in us. Amen? So what do we do? We stand. We stand and we watch the word of God work when those testings come. It's the process, and, and when we do that, that, that's really the process that, that, that works maturity in our lives, spiritual maturity. So present yourself to God approved, tested by trial, a workman who has no cause to be ashamed, rightly or correctly analyzing and accurately dividing, rightly handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. Christian, God does not want us to be inept when it comes to the word. He doesn't want us to be amateurs. He wants us to be skillful in the word. Hebrews 5, he says it's by reason of use. Remember that one where we read it last week where he says, you know what, you still have someone, need that someone would teach you. You should be a teacher, but you still need someone to teach you the basic foundational things of God's word, of God's kingdom, right? And if you read on there, I think we read it last Sunday, he says that it's by reason of use we have our skills exercised to discern good and evil. He's talking about the handling of God's word. As we use God's word, it's like my kids are are basketballers and right now my house looks like an infirmary. infirmary. I got one with a busted ankle and one with a busted wrist. But they're, they're basketball players. We talk to them about muscle memory. Right? Why, why do they shoot a thousand free throws? It's about muscle memory, right? You want to shoot the same shot, every, the same form, the same routine every single time. Muscle memory because you get consistent, right? And so it is with the word of God. If we don't handle the word of God, we will never grow in our ability to use God's word to allow the the, the word of God to work and take effect in our lives. God wants us to be skillful in handling his word. Amen? Amen. And sadly, and this is really what this this sermon, this is why we're taking almost two months to preach on this, because I want to break the back, as I have said, of biblical illiteracy. I want our lives, I want everything, I want our church service to be rooted in the word. I want our ministry outside these walls to be rooted in the word. I want our lifestyle and our conduct to be rooted in the word of God. I want our preaching, our teaching, our worship, I want it all to be rooted and centered in God's word. I want Christians who are mature. I've got a scripture at at the end of this message I'm about to read to you that shows you what the goal for your life is when it comes to the word of God. So how do we study? I'm gonna go over this and I'm I'm gonna unpack these things. Right now we're just emphasizing them over and over and again, but over over the next month or so, we are really gonna unpack these things. How you allow this word to grow in your spirit. So let's go over this again. We've, We've done this three weeks in a row now, but here's what you need to be doing. You need to be reading the word, number one. Read God's word needs to be a daily part of your life. I hear people talking all the time about going to the gym twice a day. That's, that's the new, I mean, if you're really into it, you go twice a day now. 
Why can't we read our Bibles twice a day? Work our spiritual muscles. Bodily exercise. What, what does it say? Prophets, little. But this stuff has an internal impact. It'll help you in this life. And it'll send you into the life to come. Amen? Amen. This stuff is what matters. If we can spend two, days, two, days, two times a day at the gym, why not twice a day in the Bible? Read your Bibles. Read it. And I want to encourage you, read entire books of the Bible in one sitting. Read for context. Don't just read the magnets on your refrigerator. The highlights. All the highlighted promises. All of your favorite verses. Let's isolate a text and then build some weird doctrines on it. No, read the whole thing for context. Read for understanding. Read so you get the big picture. Read the word of God. I encourage you, all of you, go and get a daily or a yearly uh, a Bible in a year that you can read through. There's an app for it. You don't even have to, you probably have it on your phone already. Start using it. Read through the scriptures. Read the word. Hear the word. Number two, hear the word. I think it was with David Miller, our, our guitar guy up here. He was talking about, he's got a new uh, app, and I think it's Jim Caviezel. Reading, just reading, it's not him acting, it's not him pretending to be Jesus, no, it's just him reading the scriptures, and he's listening to it. Amen? I think James Earl Jones did it, I think Alexander Scorby, there's these different Bibles being read, you can get them and listen to them over and over and over and over again. Romans chapter four. What shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh hath found? For if Abraham were justified by the works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what say, I could do the entire chapter. Do you know why? Because I heard that scripture over and over and over and over and over again a thousand times on the way to work. Hear the word of God. Number three, write it, journal it. Write it on note cards so you can carry it in your pocket and memorize it. Write the word of God. Speak the word of God. Recite it out loud. Speak it. Study it. Memorize it. Memorize it. Meditate on it. Meditate on God's word. Keep the word. Do it. Don't just hear it. Do it. Keep the, the word of God. Live the word of God out. So that's the goal. That's the goal. Here's the goal. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Beginning in verse one, he says, do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or do we need, as some others, epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? You are our epistles written in our hearts, known and read by all men, clearly, you are an epistle of Christ, 
ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh. That is the heart. So this is the goal right here. That you would be a living epistle. In other words, that your life would declare the gospel of Jesus. That your life, through your conduct, your behavior, your lifestyle, the way you treat people, godly integrity, righteous living, not self-righteous, but righteous that's coming from the living word of God that has been nurtured in your spirit and is coming forth and bearing fruit. That's the aim of our Christian life. So I think a lot of times we get it up here, but we don't get it down here. We memorize it and it becomes some religious routine, some legalistic system. But when it's the implanted word of God taking root, bringing life, bringing joy, bringing the blessing of God, bringing strength, the green life of God springing forth and beginning to bear fruit, the gifts of the Spirit manifesting through our lives, the fruit of the Spirit manifesting in our lives. This is what it's really all about. This is what God's called us to. Amen? Church, I want to compel you. Get into the Word. Study to show yourself approved unto God. The seed, if you are truly born again, the seed of God's word is already in your heart. That ought to encourage you. The word that brought everything into existence, you were born by that word. Abide in it. Receive it with meekness. Receive it with humility. Receive the word of the Lord. Let's, let's stand together. Hallelujah. I hadn't planned to do this, but I, I, I want to I make an appeal, a salvation appeal. I hadn't planned to do it quite like this. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. Lord, I know your word does not return void, but when it goes forth, it accomplishes the purpose for which it was sent. I've done my best today to stand here and declare your word, tried to remove my opinion, ideas of men, 
Lord, I just pray that today as your word was declared, that it's hit its mark. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, by your spirit, I ask that you would draw men into yourself. If there's any lost, Father, I pray that they would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ today. That the light of your word would shine in their hearts. Lord, I pray that as they look into the face of Jesus Christ, that you would give them knowledge of the glory of God. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. I, I, I believe this. I think that one of the most obvious facts in this world is this. We live in a corrupt world. We live in a sin-sick world. It is decaying and rotting and devolving and falling apart. The hearts of men are wicked. I think that's easy to see. You know where it came from? Mankind set up, stood up and said, my word over God's. My opinion over what God has said. That's where this all began. All of the sickness on planet Earth, all of the corruption, all of the wickedness, all the deceit came at the rejection of God's word. The reality is that every single one of us have been affected by that. Because of our father Adam, I believe that we could trace every one of us, our origins, back to Adam, one man. I believe that's what the Bible says, and I believe it. The Bible says because of his sin, because of his rejection of what God had said, that sin has entered over all of humanity. And that's why Jesus, the living word of God, came to save us from our sins so that we could be born of the word of God, so that we could be born again. Jesus said, no man will enter into the kingdom of heaven unless he is born again. If you're not sure if you've been born again, it's probably a certainty that you haven't. It takes a faith in a living God, a loving God. It takes a miracle of God transforming your heart. How many of you could remember the day you were born again? Amen. It's an amazing, an amazing thing. Everything is made new. Everything is transformed. That's why the writer said, if any man is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. Behold, all things have become new. The old things have passed away. If you've not been born again and you want to have that experience, I want to invite you down to this altar and I want to pray with you. Amen. Go ahead and come. If you want to give your life to Jesus today, go ahead and come. Amen.
Praise God. This young man came in. He's a 